0: Welcome to One Cause Church. Here is another inspirational message from Senior Pastor Eric Holler. Today I want to talk to you for a few minutes about staying in your comfort zone. Staying in your comfort zone. We hear a lot about get out of your comfort zone. But Christian, you also have a responsibility to stay in your comfort zone. Jesus said that when the Holy Spirit comes, he is going to do marvelous things in your life. He's going to guide you into all truth. He's going to teach you all things. He's going to show you things to come. But Jesus called him the comforter. All right, so he has come to be your comfort. And you need that because life is not comfortable, is it? No, Pastor Eric. Circumstances are not always comfortable. Situations, relationships, stuff happens. But there is a comfort zone that we all are, have been invited to by the Lord. And that is called His very presence. His abiding, dwelling presence in us. and um, And that's from God to us. For us to always live in a state of comfort. So I want us to take the book, Go to the book of Philippians, chapter 4. Philippians, chapter 4, and verse 11. Paul says, Not that I speak in regard to need, for I have learned. Everybody say, I have learned. This is important. Let's say that again. I have learned in whatever state I am to be content. I know how to be abased. And I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things, I have learned. Let's say it again. I have learned, both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. Verse 13, let's say these words out loud. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Thank you, Father, for this time together. God, it is so good to be with my family today. It's so good to be standing behind this pulpit, doing what you called me to do from a very early age in life, God. You put your hand upon me, and I want to say thank you for that. Thank you for calling me to this. And I thank you that because you called me, you also give me the grace to be able to do it. Because it's not by my might, it's not by power, but it is by your spirit. Thank you, Lord, for the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Christ to be upon every hearer today, that we may continue to be transformed into the very image of your dear son in Jesus mighty name. Amen. I I want us to look at the the message translation of these few verses for just a moment. Sometimes it's good to go to the message and and see this. I, I, I don't really call the message a translation of the Bible. It's more of a poetic expression of the scriptures. And I think really that's what it was uh, meant to be. Uh, But look look at the way that Eugene Peterson writes this out. It's really beautiful. I'm glad in God, far happier than you would ever guess. Happy that you're again showing such concern for me. Not that you ever quit praying and thinking, no, 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 no. Verse 11. (laughs) You just had no chance to show it. Actually, I don't have a sense of needing anything personally. I've learned by now to be quite content, whatever my circumstances. I'm just as happy with little as with much, with much as with little. I found the recipe for being happy, whether full or hungry, hands full or hands empty. Whatever I have, wherever I am, I can make it through anything in the one who makes me who I am. I don't mean that your help didn't mean a lot to me. It did. It was a beautiful thing that you came alongside me in my troubles. One of the main definitions of contentment, I've found, is actually comfort. It does mean to be satisfied. It does mean ease of mind and happiness. But it also means comfort. Now, the biblical uh, dictionary would tell us that contentment means sufficient for oneself, strong enough or processing enough to need no aid or support, independent, of external circumstances. Contended with one's lot. With, one, with one's means. Though the slenderest. So we're going to learn some things here. From the Apostle Paul. Who has learned. He said I have learned. I have learned. Through all of my experiences. Through the good times. The bad times. Through the lean times. Through the, through the abundant times. I have learned this key thing. To be content. To stay in this comfort zone no matter what because my comfort does not come from external means. And here's the secret. I can do all things through Christ. You got to get a right perception. Right understanding It's what this is about in order to stay in your comfort zone. You also need to understand that you have to have a regular practice, a regular practice of contentment. And then also we see a real power here, dude. I can do all things through Christ. So let's, let's look at verse 11. He says, I have learned in whatever state. So Paul has, is saying, I learned how to be content. I learned it. The primary way um, in learning to be content really comes through hardships. You don't have to learn to be content when everything is good, right? I mean, that in and of itself is contentment, but but it's when stuff goes south, you know, when the lights go out, when you experience some loss or tragedy in your life, lack, relationship goes south, then what? You got to learn contentment in those times. You got to learn what it means to still be comforted in less than comforting circumstances. Paul's saying, I've learned that true commitment can't be realized as long as I'm depending on things going a certain way. It starts, true contentment starts. Let me say this to you today. True contentment starts with knowing that you are not alone. True contentment starts with knowing That you are not alone. Two factors to that. One is that God is with you. All right? Everybody else might have run off, but God didn't. He said, I'll never do that. I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. So you have to remember that. All right? If you're truly going to stay content, you have to know you're not alone ever. You may feel alone, but you're not. Hmm? And number two is that you're not the only one with problems. You're not alone in your troubles. We live in a world that is abounding with tribulation. It's abounding with problems. It's abounding with offenses. It's abounding with issues. It's abounding, it's abounding, it's abounding. It seems like it's the only thing that this world knows how to produce is trouble of trouble. Jesus said in the world you will have trouble so that you don't isolate yourself because that's an easy thing to do. Once you crawl into your head and start walking around there, just you and you, you're going to self-destruct real quick. You're going to start going off the rails. So you have to remember, keep things in the right perspective. Wait a second. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I've got troubles in my life. And sometimes it's good, it's good to also recount the troubles that you don't have. Hmm? There's a good chance that you know somebody that has more problems than you, huh? Well, they're, or, or they're facing bigger issues, bigger. Not to take away from yours, all I'm saying is you got to keep things in perspective. Really, you're not alone, because when you, if you accept that you're the exception to the rule, nobody understands. Uh, shut up. Yes, they do. You got, you're the only one that's got problems, huh? but you can self implode and you have to remember God is with you and you're not the only one. So this, this is what's important. This is why it's so good to be in the house of God because we got people with problems coming in to one place. United in praise. It's a glorious thing. You could be doing something else with what's coming out of your mouth, but you came here to give glory to God, even in your troubles, even in your hardship. Because this is the place where we remember again, God is on my side and God is good and he is worthy to be praised. Jesus said it like this in Matthew eleven twenty nine: 29, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. And here's what he's going to, listen to what he says here. Right after he says, learn from me, he says, I am gentle and lowly in heart. So what Jesus is saying is, I'm going to teach you to live from the heart. I'm going to teach you to live from the inside out. I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. When you understand that it's an internal thing, not an external thing. Hmm? I'm content, come rain or shine, good or bad, up or down. When you're you're content, you, you view situations in life in a whole different way. A right perception is so important, especially when facing life's challenges. In 1896, psychologist George Stratton, he reported on an experiment in which he wore eyeglasses that inverted his field of view. Stratton said that since the image upon the, the retina was inverted, it seemed reasonable to examine the effect of presenting the retina with an upright image. All right. So basically he put on upside down glasses. All right. So when he put them on, every, the world sw- flipped upside down. And upon wearing these glasses, he reported seeing the world upside down. But after a period of several days, he was able to function completely normally with the glasses on. He removed those glasses after eight days. And when he did, everything was upside down again. It only took a day or so for his brain to flip the image back to normal. Listen, discontentment flips your perspective. It flips your world upside down. It's a black hole in the soul, and it never gets satisfied. It, it skews your whole rationale. This is kind of its motto, if I ain't happy, ain't nobody around me going to be happy. Hmm? It robs your joy. It robs your peace. It stills your sleep. It saps your strength. And this is an age old lie of the devil discontentment is. If he can get you out of your comfort zone, if he can get you out of you being satisfied with the one who satisfies. it'll get you looking at other sources, other resources, other than what God, who God is and what He has for you. It all started in that garden, didn't He? Didn't it? He said to Eve, Has God said, You shall not eat of every tree? What his whole thing, his whole MO was, his whole idea was to get her to be discontented with what she had. She had the world. God had only one tree. God had only one tree that Adam and Eve could touch. They had the rest of the planet, but the enemy got her in a state of discontentment to believe that what she had would not satisfy, it was not enough. And look at the thing, uh, uh, Genesis 3, 6. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, this tree was not good for food. God said this, if you eat this, of this tree, you will surely die, right? But discontentment flipped the image. And she saw that it was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eyes, a tree desirable to make one wise. She took of its fruit and she ate and she also gave to her, her husband with her and he ate. She, she saw the tree was good for food through the lack of of contentment for what she already had. The Bible says in Hebrews thirteen five, let your conduct be without covetousness. Be content with such things as you have. Amen. I think one way that we we begin to move over into discontentment is when we stop being grateful. We stop saying thank you, Lord. When we take, we start taking things for granted. and 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 having an expectation that we're owed this rather than we're blessed with this. Amen. y'all need to help me this morning, for He himself has said, "I will never leave you, nor forsake you, so that we may boldly say, in other words, what God has said, He calls for us to reply. since He said, "I will never leave you nor forsake you." here's our response. The Lord is my helper." <laughs> I will not fear. What can man do to me? What can circumstances do? The Lord is my helper. Amen. This situation that you you know I'm in right now, it may warrant me to freak out. Or to lose control or to worry or pace the floor or to overreact or act stupid. But remember, Got to have the right perception, the right understanding, the right knowledge. And God offers this wisdom to us. He offers the right perception. That is, that we live as a spirit. We live in this body, but we don't live of the body. We live by the spirit of God. And we are content. And we are comforted in every situation. Let's look at verse 12 of Philippians chapter 4. Everybody all right? Yes. Everybody say a regular practice. Look at this. But I want you to know, brethren, that the things which happened to me have actually turned, oh no, 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 I'm sorry, verse 12 of, of Philippians 4. We will come to that Philippians 1 in just a moment. I'll just start reading it. I know how to be abased and I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things I have learned both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. So Paul is talking about the scenarios of life, all right? And in all of those scenarios, he says, I learned something. I learned in the good times and I learned in the bad times. I learned in the abundance and I learned in the lean times. I learned something. We have to remember that God is always a very present counsel, right? And the, the, the anointing that you have, according to the apostle John, he says, this anointing teaches you all things. You have an anointing that teaches you all things. So there's always the teacher teaching. But we got to be the student that's learning. We got to tend our ears to this teacher in whatever situation we find ourselves so that we can be living in the perpetual state of comfort by the Holy Spirit of God. Now, you have to remember this. Paul isn't writing this letter. I mean, when you read Philippians I mean, when's the last time you read Philippians? Just now, right? <laughs> but I, I mean, it's such, if you're ever having a day where, you know, it's, you're just feeling gloomy, uh, and you got a case of the Mondays, <laughs> whatever, read Philippians. You cannot stay sad after you read Philippians. It's just four chapters. But Paul, man, he's encouraging, rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again, Rejoice. This book is all about rejoicing and putting yourself in the attitude of joy. Keeping yourself there, uh, no matter what kind of... Because he's talking to a people who are really... This is a very poor community. And when Paul talked to them about the joy of the Lord, it is your strength, right? I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. My God shall supply all your needs according to his riches and glory. By Christ Jesus. These are the things he said to the Philippian church. One of them was, he who be, being confident of this very thing, that he who began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. And upon hearing these words, this church who ain't got no money, and Paul later on talked about them. He's talking to the Corinthian church about the the church in Philippi. He said these guys, in their poverty, gave abundantly. Because he came to help collect money for the poor in Jerusalem. So he took from the poor to give to the poor. But they were happy to do it because they grabbed a hold of this message. They grabbed a hold of this word that joy doesn't come in possessions. Joy comes in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. I can rejoice every day of my life. And don't forget, the man who's writing this to the Philippian church is in a prison when he's writing these words. He's not on a beach somewhere. He has not just hike Mount Kilimanjaro and is sit inspired to write down and sit and write about his great accomplishments. No, he's in a dank, dark dungeon of a prison writing these encouraging words. There's something for us to learn from this man who has learned from life. There's something to learn from this man who's sitting in prison and acts like he's on top of the world. Now, Paul doesn't want to be in prison. Right? He's there. He don't want to be there. I mean, he he asked the church to pray for him to get out of there. He's on this mission. He knows that God has called him to preach this gospel to the Gentiles, So how can he effectively do it sitting in jail? But with this attitude and this determination that he had on being content, whatever state I am, I will be content. He finds an opportunity here. Instead of passing his time in jail, feeling sorry for himself, victimizing himself, growing bitter, he uses this time as a situation and situation for his benefit. Look at now, we can go over to chapter one, verse 12. Look at what he writes here. But I want you to know, brethren, that the things which happened to me, that is my imprisonment, my beating and imprisonment, have actually turned out for the furtherance of the gospel so that it has become evident to the whole palace guard and to all the rest that my chains are in Christ. And most of the brethren in the Lord having become confident by my chains. How are they confident by his chains? It looks like if you follow Paul, you go to jail. But they become confident by his chains are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Because they see a guy who's chained up, who's preaching a message that can never be chained. And even though this messenger is bound in chains, the message <laughs> will go out. Others take up this cause and preach the gospel without fear, he said. He has Timothy come and visit him. He trains Timothy and sends him to Philippi as his representative. He takes this, this time to write. And by inspiration of the Holy Spirit, Paul is pinning Scripture. Think about this. Of all the things Paul accomplished in his life, In his calling, his greatest accomplishment was what he wrote down. Because we're still experiencing it today. It's been passed down for thousands of years. Many of which, many of those things that he wrote were written behind prison bars. Wow. Now, had he become discontented through his contrary circumstances, we wouldn't have these marvelous letters today. We wouldn't be reading this passage of scripture today. So contentment has to become a regular practice. That is that it is your constant attitude whenever, however, wherever, and this is probably the most challenging aspect of contentment with whoever. A situation that may seem very limiting to you at the moment could actually be your greatest opportunity. A regular practice of contentment will open doors for you that look like walls. Back when the, uh, the telegraph, imagine this, was the fastest means of long-distance communication. Anybody know Morse code in here? Hmm? Good, I'm among friends. There was this young man who applied for a job as a Morse code operator. And he answered, replied to an ad in a newspaper, and he went to the address that was listed. And so when he arrived, he enters this large, noisy office, and in the background, a telegraph is clacking away. And a sign on the receptionist counter instructed the job applicants to fill out uh, a form and wait until they're summoned to enter the office. So he completes his form. He sits down, and there's seven other applicants sitting there in that room. After a few minutes, this young man stands up, crosses the room to the door of the inner office, and just walks in. The other applicants are looking at each other like, what the heck? What's he doing? I mean, what made this guy so confident and bold to think that he could just go in right now? So they're talking to themselves about it and, you know, and saying all these negative things about him. They assumed that as soon as he went in there, he'd be quickly reprimanded by the boss and told to go wait his turn. But within a few minutes, this young man emerges from the office with the boss. Only to hear the boss say, ladies and gentlemen, thank you very much for coming, but the job has been filled by this young man. So they start complaining. What in the world? This guy came in dead last. We've been in here waiting longer than he has. And uh, You just hand him the job like that? It's not fair. He says, uh, the boss says, all the time that you've been sitting here, the telegraph has been ticking out the following message in Morse code. If you understand this message, then come right in. The job is yours. None of you heard it. So none of you get the job. The contentment keeps you calm. It keeps you still. It quietens the mind and opens the ears to hear. And in that state of being content, you can hear the very still, small voice of the Lord. Even in the hustle and bustle of life, choosing to be content will keep you moving forward in the grace and peace of God. So I want to encourage you today. Have a regular practice of it. Because here's the thing, the final thought, verse 13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Because you've got a real power On the inside of you. Hmm? This isn't just a religion we're talking about. We're talking about a real power. Huh? And that real power is found in Christ. In him, the limits are off. That's what Paul is saying. I can do all things through Christ. He's the source of our contentment. He's the reason why we can be joyful. He's the reason why we experience peace in the midst of trials. He is our victory. He is the substance of our life. He is, Jesus said, I am the way. I am the truth, and I am the life. So in every situation, if you'll think about Jesus in that way, there's just no way. Oh, wait, wait, Jesus is the way. There's obviously a way. Huh? With all these opinions out here, wait, wait, there's truth here. He is the truth. He knows the truth. He lives in me. I, I, I can know the truth of what's going on. And he is the life. He is the life. Think about it. As long as Jesus Christ is the way, there is always a way. Right? Amen. So you don't have to see it in order for you to know that there is a way. You don't have to know it in order for you to realize there is a way. Because he is the way. Because he sees ways we don't see and he knows ways we don't know. And he is the truth. Huh? You know him, you know freedom. Yeah. Jesus said, he whom the Son sets free is free indeed. You shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. So to know him is to know truth. To know truth is to be free. Yeah. Hmm? Yeah. To be free is to be liberated from bondage. Yeah. And he's the life. He is the life. What kind of life is it? He's everlasting life. Yeah. Yeah. He is God's gift of everlasting life to us. He's the only one that can give eternal life. And he freely does to those who believe on him. And this is why Paul said, I've been crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ lives in me. And the life that I now live in this flesh, I live by faith in the son of God who loved me and gave himself from me. I found real life when I found him, Hmm? And he's my teacher, and I'm learning from him because he's gentle and he's lowly in heart. I'm learning to live from the inside out and to stay in my comfort zone and to not be moved by my circumstances, to not be moved when the ground starts shifting under me. A right perception. God has... Learning for us. He has something to teach us. Get the right perception. Also have a right, a regular practice, I, I should say. Think about it. Stay aware of your situation. Not, not just your surroundings, but, but who you are, and most importantly, whose you are. Hmm? I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. And a real power. Because with God, all things are possible. Father, thank you. Thank you, Lord, for your wonderful word. Thank you, Lord, today. We take this moment to say thank you. Even though we may be facing, Lord, you know what needs are here today. You know what's going on in the hearts and minds of your children. What's happening in in their lives. And you invite them Today, come to you. Come to me, he says, all you who are weighed down with life's burdens, come to me. You who are weary, I will give you rest. Take my yoke. When he's saying take my yoke, what Jesus is saying, I offer you a partnership. When the oxen plowed together, they were both tied to a yoke together and God in stride with one another. He says, take my yoke. In other words, let me teach you something. Come alongside me, and I'm going to show you a better way. I'm going to show you a way to live your life from a place of comfort, from a place of rest. So, Father, I thank you right now that the clouds would be cleared from the minds today, that the fear would be dissipated by the peace of God, that the hopelessness, the despair, the depression, Lord, would be washed away by the joy of the Holy Spirit. Your kingdom come. Your will be done in our lives, on earth as it is in heaven. Thank you for healing. Thank you, Lord, for your hope that never disappoints. Hallelujah. You've you've given us a greater experience than just mere wishful thinking. You've given us a hope. And that hope is an anchor of our soul. It is sure and it is steadfast. What you say, you will do. What you've promised, you are able to perform it. Help us, Lord, to learn, to be people who say, I have learned. I have learned. I have learned contentment. I have learned this secret, this mystery that is every day inside of me Christ in me. Thank you, Father. In Christ Jesus, we have the victory, and He always leads us in triumph. Thank you for that today. Bless your people now, strengthen their hearts, heal their wounds. And Father God, restore hope and joy and peace to them in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen and amen. Praise the Lord. Praise God. My God, it's good to be back in church today. I love you all very much. love you all very much. Let me bless you and then uh, Pastor Alex is going to come and some last words. May the Lord bless you and may he keep you. And may he cause his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you and all of your house and give you peace in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Thank you for listening, and we hope you enjoyed the message. For more information about One Cause Church, please visit us online at onecausechurch.com.